penalty area. Joskin needs a decent ball. And Exeter City with Sam Nunby. Socks down to his angle. Picks out Stansfield. That's a hat trick. And that's what dreams are made of. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Park Life, the official Exeter City podcast. My name's Tom Pacillo, and I'll be your host for this brand new format of the pod, offering you guys, the fans, the chance to get even more access to the club you love. Each week, we'll be diving headfirst into the highs and lows of Exeter City's journey throughout the 2023-24 Skybet League One season. We'll take you behind the scenes, offering exclusive access to the inner workings of the club. We'll sit down with players from now and years gone by to uncover the stories behind their journeys and find out what makes Exeter City Football Club so special to them. And it doesn't stop there. We'll bring you interviews with the manager, the coaching staff and the passionate fans who follow their club home and away. So whether you bleed red and white or if you're new to the world of Exeter City, this is the podcast for you. Together, we'll share the joy, the tears, the triumphs and the heartbreaks that come with supporting Exeter City Football Club. Get ready to don your red and white scarves and join us for the ride. This is Park Life. Coming up in today's episode, I'll speak with Exeter City fan and former media assistant Jed Penberthy about the Grecians' superb start to their League One season. I'll also chat to City captain Will Ameson about scoring his first goal for the club as the Grecians took all three points away from Wickham. As we prepare to host Blackpool on Saturday, we'll also get the tangerine perspective from Tom Main, the host of the It's Not Orange podcast. Finally, I'll be joined by Derek Baker, a journalist who reports on the Exeter City Academy to discuss their fantastic start to the season as they beat Swindon Town 2-0 on Saturday. Let's get straight into it then. Ahead of a brand new series of the podcast, who better to talk to than the man who hosted episodes on this feed before me? Jed, welcome to Park Life. How does it feel to be back on the pod? Well, it's it's going to be different, I think, because I think it's a completely different format. But yeah, I'm glad to be on and thank you for inviting me on. No worries at all. Um, Going into the games then, and City got their season off to a flyer away at Wickham. A 3-0 victory in our opening game is a real statement of intent. Did you see it coming? Well, no, I don't think anyone saw it coming. I think Wickham are one of the big boys in the league. And I think that to take the lead inside 30 seconds, I think that that is, like you say, a statement of intent. And I think think the boys played without any fear on Saturday. And I think, uh, well, they got rewarded with all three points. Absolutely. You mentioned that goal within 30 seconds, 28 seconds it was, uh, when Jack Aitchison scored the first goal of the season. (laughs) Amazing goal, of course. Uh, It certainly caught my eye. He really impressed me against Coventry, but not even I expected him to score within 30 seconds. I know it's early days, but I think he looks like a really exciting talent. Yeah, I think he's one of the the more major signings that Gary Caldwell's made over the summer. And I think that to, to repay him by scoring that early on it on your debut I think that just kind of like just sets the tone and hopefully that Aitchison continues to perform and continues to score when he can and I think it I think it's good that we can build our front line around him as well with him playing just behind Nombe I think I think it's going to be decent that if Jack Aitchison gets on the ball a bit more and, and gets more half chances in the box he'll take them and we'll score plenty of goals this year. He's one of many debutants who impressed in that game against Wickham, uh, Ryan mm. Trevitt, Dion Rankin of course performing excellently well. I think from what we've seen from the new signings they look like really good additions. Yeah I think so. For, for me personally as a City fan it, it's strange that um, 
it's completely different to to the team last season. I think for the last five, ten years, we've been very, very heavy reliant on our on our youth players. Not to say that, not to say that Alex Hartridge didn't perform amazingly on the weekend, but it's a completely new look side. It's definitely Gary Colwell's side now. We saw just how perfectly they moulded to his tactics and let's say three three nil you can't really ask for more on opening day can you well absolutely three nil and of course a clean sheet as well City defended really well with some excellent uh, clearances from Pierce Sweeney Will Ameson and Alex Hartridge uh, Gary told the fans forum just a couple of weeks ago that the defending needed to be improved I think the players responded really well to that yeah I don't, I don't think it was the most positive pre-season when it when it comes to defensively but uh it doesn't really matter what happens in preseason, as as long as as long as on August the fifth you can keep yourself a clean sheet, and you're always going to win points if you if you keep a clean sheet. And I think defensively we've had the same we've had the same back five now for a year. I think um, with the two wing backs that are coming in as well, I think that adds a bit more explosive uh, pace on the wings. But uh, for the, for that back three, it's been quite regimented, and the, and they they know how to play with each other, and and they know each and each is strengths and each is weaknesses and they complement each other really well. And we saw that on Saturday that it was just an impenetrable force. Absolutely. And we saw that on Tuesday as well. Moving on to Tuesday's game then, City faced Crawley Town under the lights in the Carabao Cup. Despite conceding early on, the Grecians fought back to win the game 2-1 thanks to goals from Carl Taylor and James Scott. Firstly, on Carl Taylor, his return to the pitch could hardly have gone better after 16 months on the sidelines with a cruciate ligament injury. How pleased were you to see KT back on the pitch and back to his best? Oh, do you know what? It it saddens me that I wasn't there for that final game because it was the one game that season that I that I wasn't at the club because I, I actually got contracted COVID. So I was watching it. I was just watching it on uh, on the stream that day. And when he went down, you feared for the worst as soon as he went down. And then the news broke that he was going to be out for a very long time. And he was almost a forgotten figure last season. I know he was coming to, to players' events. He was almost a forgotten figure, but quite clearly behind the scenes, he's worked so, so hard to get himself back into just contention of playing, whether that's 20 minutes or whether that's starting. And and to see him in pre-season was a joy to behold. And it doesn't look like he's lost any of that flair that he had back when we were in League Two. And then obviously gets the goal on Tuesday night and he just felt... That is what, is it 16 months that he's been out? Yeah, 16 in total. Setback after setback. A year a year and a bit out. And to come back in your first competitive game at home and and take that goal really well. I know, I know when uh, Craig went up to him at full time, he said that he scuffed it. But no, to get on the end of that pass from Sonny Cox and just guide it into the bottom corner, that must have been a massive weight off his back. Because you feel that, let's say, 16 months, I need to be able to show that I can still compete at this level. And he done that, and he done that so well. And you can't ask for more than a goal, Ken. Well, it's the perfect show of mental resilience in many oh, ways. Yeah. I mean, 16 months out, and then to come back, compete for a, a space in mm. the first team, which is so competitive now, especially with all the signings that Gary has brought in. Yeah. And then to stamp his authority on the game like that, as soon as he came on, I think I think it's wonderful. Well, yeah, you, you look at the players he's brought in, like Tom Carroll and Reese Cole and Ryan Trevor, and you just think, oh, is Carl Taylor, bearing in mind he hasn't played in a year and a, a year and a bit and almost a year and a half. Uh, is he going to be competitive in that in that lineup? And well, yeah, <laughs> you can see that you can see that player that Matt Taylor found in him when he was at Bournemouth. You can see that by repaying the faith in the club, Kyle Taylor is getting the faith from the manager as well. 
Absolutely. And then James Scott, the scorer of the third goal against Wickham and the man who bagged <laughs> the winning goal against Crawley as well, two in two, must do his confidence the world of good. Oh, certainly. I think there was a lot of pressure on James Scott at the start of this season. I think um, towards the end of last year, I think he'd be the first to tell you that that he didn't score enough. And like I say, he, he's doubled his goal tally already, I think, with... And it's going to be a heck of a force up there with Sam Nombe and himself up there. You've, you've got the raw pace of Sam Nombe and then you've got the power of James Scott. And both goals he's taken really, really well. Two completely different strikes as well. You think on the half turn against Wickham to find that top corner. And that was the goal that really put the game to bed there. That yeah. took a lot of pressure with 10 minutes to play. And then to get on the end and score the winner diving header to beat Crawley as well after a, hitting the bar in the first half because he was in the right positions. I think that's the change that we've seen from last year is that James Scott is getting into more goal scoring positions rather than just lurking on the edge of the box. And that's a, that's always a positive sign. I know that Gary's a big advocate of just getting players into the six yard box in between playing centrally and around the penalty spot. And Scott is uh, reaping the rewards from that. He certainly is. And I suppose with a full pre-season behind him, maybe that's what he needed mm. to, yeah, to, definitely. to get that fitness, to get that sharpness and then come into the season all guns blazing and hit the ground running. Brilliant to see I, from James Scott. I, I think that's an interesting point, actually, because there are a lot of the players that haven't had full pre-seasons and a lot of players that haven't had full seasons in this squad at the moment. You think Tom Carroll hasn't played for a while. Is it Reese Cole that had to come up from Hayes and Yedding because he wasn't enjoying his football? And he's coming back into League One. Suddenly, Gary Caldwell's given them the faith, saying that you're going to be in my starting squad this, this year. Um, so please don't let me down. And they haven't so far. They certainly haven't. The perfect start to the season. But up next, Blackpool at home on Saturday. A return to league action at St. James Park. Just can't come quick enough. Blackpool are tough opposition, though, and many fans and pundits uh, are predicting that they'll be right up there at the end of the season. Do you think City are ready for the challenge? Yeah, I think so. I think we've got a little bit of history of Blackpool as well. I don't think we need to go into too much detail about that. But um, no, I, I, I think... If we were at Bloomfield Road this weekend, I think it'll be a different challenge. But I think being back at the park, an almost sellout, I think after the the victories that we got at SJP last season, you're thinking Peterborough, you're thinking Barnsley. Big teams aren't really taking this game lightly. Exeter away, it's a long journey for Blackpool as well. And I think they'll need to think about that too. So... Actually, I really back us to play well and I, I back us to just keep our heads really and just make sure that we don't go a little bit overzealous going forward and make sure that, that Blackpool can't exploit any spaces behind our defence. But we've seen in the opening two games that we are strong enough defensively and I think Blackpool will really have to battle hard if they're going to get anything out of this Saturday. Absolutely. So I'm going to have to ask you for a score prediction. Oh, uh... I, I I think I'm going to go for one all. I think that's what David L said. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, one, one all sounds good. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I I think that I think that would be a fair reflection. I think we'll take a draw. I uh, the way that the way that Black will play, and as you say, they've been touted as some of the favourites to be up in 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 the top eight before the end of the season. So, actually, I think one all will be a good positive result for us, and it means that we're unbeaten in three, and it means that. 
we can just start to think about making SJP a bit of a fortress because I think that's going to be the most important thing this season. If teams fear coming to St. James Park, we can pick up a couple of more wins on the road. Absolutely. Thanks so much for joining me, uh, Jed. Great to hear your opinion as always. No, perfect. Thank you ever so much for having me, Tom. Next up, we have our first player interview of the series. Will Ameson has taken to life at Exeter City like a duck to water. After joining from Bolton Wanderers in January, he's gone on to make 19 appearances for the club and has even earned himself the captain's armband, a mark of the manager's trust in the defender. I sat down to chat with him about scoring his first goal as an Exeter City player and to ask him about the mood of the camp after a stunning start to the season. Will, welcome to Parklife. Great to have you with us as our first player guest. Uh, you've had quite the week, a goal, two wins and a clean sheet. You even got in the EFL team of the week. You must be delighted with the way you started the season. Yeah, I mean, as far as starts go or game week ones go, that was a uh quite a successful one really and there's still lots of work to be done there's lots of improvements and lots of stuff we can tighten up on but I think as a whole it was a very good Saturday spent you know the plan the plan worked we got off to a great start you know with the messages before the game were to start quick and we knew they're a hard-working team so yeah we just wanted to start on the front foot and send a message set, set a tempo to the game of, of our tempo and I think that worked it showed how we went you know two goals off early doors so yeah it was a it was a good Saturday and I mean it's you know it's nice to be recognized um, in those types of in those types of ways so you know I don't actually have any social media so I didn't actually know until one of my mates that I used to play with sent me a picture I didn't actually realize so yeah, yeah it was uh, yeah, it's nice to be recognized definitely. Were you surprised that the plan worked so effectively? I mean, Jack scoring after just 30 seconds, I mean, instantaneous. So so were you surprised that it, it worked so well? I mean, I can't remember scoring that early on. <laughs> Being in a game where we've scored that early, it doesn't happen every week. So, yeah, I mean, a little bit, you know, I think Al won a couple of early headers and that sent the message. And then we were on the front foot with the, with the regains and... A great pass from Demi, I think it was, into into Jack. And it was, you know, that's what Jack's all about, tight areas and a quick finish. So, um, no, I mean, as much as it was surprising, it was kind of, it was our plan at the same time. So, not surprising at the same time, you know what I mean? So, um, no, listen, it was, it was a great start. And I think it kind of settled us down because I think first game of the season, especially with new squads, it's, you don't really know what you're, you're going to get preseason games can be as much as you try and implement what you want to do. They can be quite false sometimes, you know, no disrespect to teams that you play against, or you might play against teams that are, you know, in, in the high league. So yeah, sometimes, like I say, you don't really know how, how things are going to plan out. Um, But yeah, that, that went to plan that one. Yeah, you mentioned the new arrivals, the changes to the squad. Six new signings in the starting eleven against Wickham, yet it looked like you've been playing together for years. Uh, how have you all managed to gel so quickly? Yeah, I mean, that's probably down down to the staff. You know, we've we've done a lot of work um, on the training pitch with, with patterns of play and, you know, ways to goal. And then on the defensive side of things, we've done a lot of, of shape work and, you know, scenarios of what we're going to do when the ball's in certain areas for and against... Um, like I said, uh, I've said before, it's it's building relationships between, you know, certain players and certain positions. So I think that's, we saw the start of that. Um, and, you know, I think it's quite exciting what, what's to come, really. Yeah. And then moving on to Tuesday's game against Crawley as well. I'm sure you would have been disappointed to concede so early on and then to lose Pierce Sweeney to injury. But then to come back from that position, win the game in 90 minutes, I think that shows great character. Is that the sort of mindset the manager has instilled in the players? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, going back to Saturday, I think we spoke about after the game, listen, if you got the chance to go three and up after 10, 15 minutes, whatever it was, you at the time, of course, we'd snatch a off. But I think being 2-0 up, it's always a dodgy dodgy scoreline. So in the long run, I mean, it's it's not a bad thing that we had to play that amount of time at 2-0. And it probably, especially away from home against a team that's going to be direct. Um, and I think it gives you that confidence going into... Listen, we might be in that situation again and, and to manage a game like we did, I think was was really big for us. Um so in the like I say in the long run that might not be a bad thing that we were tuning a lot for quite a while and I think uh, and again you know, we're one 0 down early on um against Crawley and it's it's been a good test for us. You know, they came to play and by all means play out for whatever risk. Um and it was, you know, that credit to them, they they played well. We weren't really at the races first half, you know, we were a little bit off it, which was disappointing. And then, like you say, conceding the goal was disappointing. But again, the character from everybody, um, I think we stepped up a gear or two in the second half, got things right with our press and the aggression of our press, and then just had a bit more ruthlessness in front of goal, which we probably missed a little bit in the first half. Because as much as we didn't play well first half, we still had chances, you know, to, to be up in the game. So, um, yeah, it was, a, it was definitely a good second half from us. Yeah, three of the young uh, loanies, Ville, Dion Rankin and Ryan Trevitt, have made their immediate impact on the squad how have they managed to settle in so quickly yeah they've been listen they've been brilliant they're very very good you know young players you probably have watched both games and seen that they've they've hardly played any you know professional games so um you wouldn't you wouldn't know that if you didn't know in my opinion but yeah they, they've settled in really well you know we've got a good dressing room a welcoming dressing room with quite a tight bunch um so listen we especially our senior lads, we'll, we'll try and make everyone feel as welcome as possible, get them bedded in and settled in as quick as possible. And I think that's um, definitely been the case and it's, it's showing on the pitch. Yeah, after two wins to start the season, I suspect that the mood around the camp is, is pretty good at the moment. Do you see it as your job as captain to keep the morale as high as possible? Yeah, definitely. I think an important thing is throughout a season, there's going to be highs, there's going to be lows. And I think it's about not getting too high when stuff are going, stuff's going well and you know, not getting too downhearted when you're going through tough patches. Um, it's just kind of, rather than big peaks and troughs, it's just keeping it pretty level. You know, it'd be easy to get carried away after, you know, a 3-0 win and then a, a comeback in a, in a cup game on the Tuesday night straight after. And, you know, we've, we know we've got a difficult upcoming game on Saturday and we have to go into that game with the right mindset. Of course, you mentioned the game on Saturday. Up next, City face Blackpool as league action returns to St. James Park for the first time. Uh, this season. Blackpool are, of course, a club you know really well. I don't need to remind supporters of your success with them in the 2017 League Two playoff final. Are you looking forward to welcoming your former club back to uh, St. James Park on Saturday? Yeah, yeah, I will. It will, uh, to to be honest, I don't know if I know too many people uh, there now. It's quite quite a while ago, but now, listen, it's always great playing against your old clubs. Definitely games you want to be involved in and and winning. So, no, it's... um, you know, they're a good side and it, we, we know we'll have to be at our best to, to beat them. Yeah, for sure. And finally, just a word on the supporters. We travelled in our numbers to Adams Park on Saturday. We're expecting a near sellout on Saturday. How important will the fans be in achieving your goals this season? Yeah, massive. They're massive for us. As much as we get tired and we're travelling and we do do a lot of miles, you know, it's as much as they're not playing, it's the same for them. You know, they follow us here, there and and everywhere so um they're massive for us you know we really feel the love you know home away and the, and the support we get from them we want to make 
SJP a fortress this season. We don't want to lose many points at that place, you know, as much as we want to win away as well, obviously. But, you know, we want to turn that place into a into a fortress and make it fearful, really. And, and the fans definitely help us with that. You know, we, we spoke about it to a few people and, you know, we're doing a huddle to create that atmosphere. As much as we want to get a couple of messages across, you know, just as we're about to go off, we want to also create an atmosphere and, you know, let them really get into the game and help us get through it. I saw that huddle away at Wickham at Adams Park last Saturday. Whose idea was that? Uh, it was that well. It was actually not to take credit, but it was actually <laughs> it was actually my idea. We do something similar in the in the change room we did last year, where I'd normally speak in front of everyone in the change room. Probably don't know if I'm meant to be telling you that, but um, you know the gaffer is a very good speaker as well. He's got the voice of when when he speaks, you listen. Do you know what I mean? It's he's one Scottish of them. Accent, he, he's, isn't it? He, he, I think it is. Yeah, it's uh, the harsh Scottish accent. Yeah, but no, he's the gaffer's very good with his words, and he's very good at getting messages across. And I think it's important that we both get the opportunity to do that. Um, I like that us players have the chance to do it as well, and I think it's also good, you know, in the huddle to give it to not just it be me or not just it be Sweens, you know, we want to give the the opportunity to other players and to speak in there as well and even in the dressing room because, like I've said, you know, as much as I'm captain on the pitch and wearing the armband, you know, Sweens is just as much captain, you know, he around the place as well. He's been here for such a long time. We need six, seven of them on the pitch, you know, dishing out instructions and setting standards and bouncing off them, Um so, yeah, it's really important that we have a lot of leaders out there and we want to kind of get that feel for it. And, you know, whether it's people, like I've said, people speaking in that huddle and kind of switches them on and switches other, others on. Yeah, it's important for us. And like I say, it's massive, you know, for the fans and creating that atmosphere that we want to create, especially at home. Amazing. Thanks so much, Will. That was great insight and good luck on Saturday. No problem. Thank you. Next up, I'll be joined by Tom Main, the host of the It's Not Orange podcast, to get the lowdown on Blackpool ahead of Saturday's game at the park. Let's head over to the boardwalk to hear what he's got to say. Tom, welcome to Parklife. Great to have you with us. The Seasiders started the season in style on Saturday. A 2-0 home win against Burton Albion, courtesy of a Shane Lavery brace. Uh, You must be happy with that, especially because tonight you've got a 2-0 victory over Derby County as well. Yeah, good start to the season in terms of the first two games, both different strikers, should I say, getting a brace in each game. And Saturday was really good. We started at the first half really well. Lavery finished his two goals expertly. The first one was like a poacher's finish and the second one was a predator's finish in terms of nicking the ball off Sam Hughes and, and chipping the goalkeeper really well. Second half was a bit complacent and we let Burton a little bit. But, you know, the season started with a victory and that would be, you know, positive news for Neil Critchley's side. Absolutely. And I suppose you must be aware that a lot of fans and pundits who like to have their say, they've all tipped Blackpool for promotion this season, if not via the automatics, then probably via the playoffs. Is that where you expect to see your team come the end of the season? Yes, I expect us to be up there this season. Obviously, we've got quite a strong side. What I'd like to see is three or four more signings like most fans will in terms of that. But we need a bit more quality up front in terms of that sort of big, bigger striker. We've lost Gary Medine and we haven't really got anyone in that mould to help us out and just a bit more depth in the defence. But I think three or four signings with with a few players going on loan and we'll be all right. And I mean, there's no reason why, why we can't be up there in terms of the quality that we've brought in. 
Yeah, you, you speak about potential signings, but I think it's also worth noting who Blackpool have lost. And, you know, there were a few worries when Blackpool were relegated last season that you'd lose most of your best players. But with the exception of Jerry Yates and Gary Medina as well, I guess, I think you've got to be quite happy with the calibre of players you've managed to keep at Bloomfield Road. Yeah, we've kept the core of the team. Obviously, losing Jerry Yates is a big loss, but we all expected it. And we've replaced him with a striker that we're not too sure of. He played half an hour tonight in Cole Joseph. Um, I don't see him as a direct replacement, so I'd like to see who we bring in. But the core of the team is there and the core of um, Critchley signings there as well. So that gives us a bit of an advantage of he knows who he's worked with before. And I suppose the big talking point with Blackpool this summer was whether fans were going to welcome uh, Neil Critchley back to Bloomfield Road with that sort of welcome that he might have got in his in his previous tenure at the club. Obviously, he jumped ship to assist Steven Gerrard at Aston Villa. But do you think he's won the fans over? I saw his little triple fist pump at the end of the victory over Burton. Has he won you over? For me, I was... A bit nervous, a bit apprehensive, but his first interview back, he sort of apologised, gave his reasons for leaving, and, and I quite believe him. And he's kind of kept out of the way in terms of interviews, etc. He's obviously spoken after games, etc. But he's got down to down to work. We've signed pretty well so far, and I really like this style he's brought back because I think he's learned a lot from being at Villa and and QPR, and obviously being unsuccessful. And I think he's. He's gained some, you know, experience, valuable experience from that, and he's brought that back to the club. And he's and he's quite ruthless. We've, we've started to call him Critch 2.0 because he seems a bit of a different character, and I like that fiery side of him because previously he could be quite apologetic for the players after a loss, for example. He would say they played really well when evidently we we weren't at the races. So and this time he he already called out the second half on Saturday for not being good enough, and we weren't being ruthless enough. So I like this style of him, and I like to see who he's going to bring in the next four or five weeks to sort of complete his squad. Yeah, it certainly sounds like Blackpool are much more ruthless, uh, very up for the challenge of this League One season. Who are a couple of players that you think Exeter should be looking out for, maybe a little bit wary of? The two obvious players are from the standouts for Saturday. So Lavery, of course, has is, is been on fire pre-season and a double on Saturday. He's left out the squad tonight, assumably to rest him and not risk any form of injury because he's our main striker. Um, and we were really impressed with, with Oliver Norburn, who we brought in from Peterborough. He controlled the midfield really well. He ran out of legs towards the end of the game, but he wanted the ball, even though there's three or four players around him. He calmed the ball down when potentially we were under a bit of pressure and he created a lot of chances in the first half as well. So those two, but an honourable mention for Matthew Pennington, who went off with a muscle strain on Saturday and sounds sounds like he's going to be back for Saturday. And when he went off, our back, our back line did seem a bit more delicate. Um, he's certainly assured things up. So hopefully he's back for Saturday because he'll make it a better game. And finally, I can't let you leave without asking for a score prediction. Uh, so what are you saying? I'd like to think we can bring sort of a bit of momentum. I know you had a fantastic victory away. I think that was unlike you to win your first game of the season or win away, should I say. Yeah. Um, so it was, And you played really well, obviously scored really early on. So I think you'll bring intensity. But if we can match that, I think we'll be in for a good game and I'll go for a 3-2 win. Tom, thank you so much for joining me on Park Live. Good luck with the It's Not Orange podcast for the season ahead and good luck to Blackpool as well. Just maybe not on Saturday. <laughs> I uh, reciprocate those feelings. Thank you. <laughs> and finally, we all know that the Exeter City Academy is a crucial part of the club's DNA. In years gone by, the Academy has produced players who have gone on to much bigger things, some even representing their countries. 
the likes of Ollie Watkins, Ethan Ampadu, Matt Grimes, Archie Collins, Josh Key, and many, many more were all raised in City's youth system. So, to find out who the next stars of the academy are, I'll be asking Derek Baker about the club's under-18s team who began their season with a 2-0 victory over Swindon Town. Derek, welcome to Parklife. Great to have you with us to talk all things Exeter City Academy. The young Grecians have had a really strong pre-season and have kicked off their league campaign really well. A 2-0 victory over Swindon Town on the opening day of the season is a great result. Were you impressed with what you saw on the pitch? To be honest, the youngsters, they, they had quite a bit of a test in the first half in particular. The weather conditions were really tough on them. And although they were playing on sort of the artificial surface, they were um, finding it quite hard to uh, play out of the half. And, and Swindon had them pegged in at times. But there was a turning point in the game when uh, one of the Swindon players got sent off. So that kind of helped swing the momentum. And yeah, that, that meant sort of in the second half, uh, the Grecians really sort of turned it on and, and really took a advantage of an extra man and yeah in the end thoroughly deserved their win because it was a strong second half performance that's good to see i I heard that we were pretty reliant on goalkeeper dylan shanahan uh yeah so with swindon sort of controlling large periods of that first half dylan was called upon quite a few times he made a really big save when it was nil nil um with his feet and yeah really was called upon and has really sort of taken to controlling his box and communicating well so he kind of led from his own goal and, and made sure that his defence and, and him himself were, were keeping that clean sheet. And yeah, they managed to do that in the end. So yeah, good performance from him. Brilliant to hear. And, and obviously over the summer, 10 youngsters have signed academy scholarships with the club ahead of the season, not all of which had actually come from Devon. I know goalkeeper Dylan Shanahan, who we just spoke about, came from London and, and so did uh, midfielder uh, Santino uh, Oanaka. Is that how you pronounce it? Oanaka, yeah. There we go. Uh, they've both arrived from London and then six foot five striker Kieran Wilson has made the journey all the way down from Scotland. Why is it that young talents from so far away uh, are trusting Exeter City with their future football career? I mean, uh, I'd like to think that sort of the pedigree that the the academy has is is a real pull to to some of the the players that are probably sort of not known in the West Country. So obviously, when they sort of get released by then their, their clubs previously, and they go to the exit trials or or they join you know different other sort of academy setups or youth setups, they get picked up, you know, scouted, and the word goes out that you know obviously the club might be be interested in their services, and I think. You know, some conversations with with the coaches, some honest conversations, should I say, about how, you know, the next part of their their development, the next part of their footballing journey will go really sort of inspires them. And then they only have to look at the successful sort of academy products that have gone on to, you know, various clubs uh, in the professional game. So, you know, anyone looking from the outside in can see it's a real place to develop um, learn and uh, have a real chance at, at making it in the professional game amazing and I've got to ask you a little bit more about six foot five striker Kieran Wilson um, I've been hearing that he arrived on the recommendation of the former Grecian of course Alan Gow I've got to ask do you have any of the the details of that conversation I don't, to be fair, but I've heard exactly the same as yourself. Um, he didn't get on on Saturday, but you can just tell that he's a bit of a presence um, when he was sort of supporting the lads from the sidelines. So, you know, there must be a lot to like about him. He's a different option to what the academy um, typically probably goes for in terms of like a centre forward and, and certainly something different to the other strikers that are there at the minute and whether, you know, he can 
continue developing his game. He, he could bring something, I guess, should he continue on that upward trajectory to potentially, you know, the first team if he, um, you know, continues developing his game, his physical attributes. And yeah, I'm sure something's there and, and, and the City fans are looking forward to see him, seeing him in some capacity. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned that it's a bit of a different tactical style. When it comes to the academy, do the coaches look at the first team, look at Gary Colwell's style of play and try and emulate that in the academy setup? Or is it much more a bespoke setup to how the the players in the academy uh, want to play? So, I mean, I've been at, well, covering the academy for a number of years, you know, since the Paul Tisdale era. So obviously the managers that sort of control things in the first team they, they do try and let the um the messages flow down into the academy as well so it's, it's something that the academy coaches also like to try and instill in you know sort of the academy players in terms of style of playing in terms of sort of attributes and requirements if you like as a person as well as a um, as a player and i just see that in no different sort of capacity with with gary caldwell at the, at the helm at, at sjp so i think that you know, there's a philosophy there that's always been there in terms of, you know, a good football inside with decent sort of individuals that grow up to be really good people. And that hasn't changed. And so that's sort of the first and foremost thing that they, they try and get into the players. And the, and then from there, you know, obviously individuals have their own sort of attributes. And, and that's also focused on um, in terms of their long term, I guess, development goals and, and aspirations. Yeah, and while we're on the topic of, of that under-18s team, speaking tonight, we're recording on Tuesday, the day of the League Cup game against Crawley Town, and a few of those academy graduates or under-18s players that you, you spoke of are currently in that team. Jake Richards, of course, from most fans' perspectives, appears to be one of the, the main stars of the academy, if you like. He, of course, made his first full senior debut uh, for the club when he started down in Mausel during the first team's pre-season. Is he a player that the fans can look forward to seeing a little bit more of? Uh, I guess the fans kind of jump on anyone that gets a decent sort of write-up or, or, you know, plays a decent game. But um, Jake certainly sort of came into the 18s fold properly last season and um, sort of Learned well as well, I guess, from the likes of um, Gabriel Billington or Harrison King, who, who played in sort of the, the centre midfield roles for the 18s. Um, so he had sort of good tutors, if you like, or, or people in front of him that he could be inspired by. And he's kind of sort of developed from there. You know, as he says, he's linked up with the coaching staff, the first team coaching staff and played in some of the pre-season friendly. So I see no reason why they shouldn't be excited about him and um, certainly offers something really good on the pitch. He played another good game on Saturday for the 18s and controlling that midfield when um, when City did take control of the game in the end. He's got you know a range of passing abilities. He works hard for the team. So yeah, there's certainly a player there that yeah, Exeter fans can be really excited about. And finally, what are the main aims for the academy and the under-18s in particular this season? I think, you know, every kind of, I guess, City fan will want me to say that they're going for silverware and and that's the the, the end goal. I think that, you know, the, the Grecian Academy has done really well in terms of not focusing solely on results and things like that or trophies, which they have done, obviously, in my time that I've, I've been there. But in the fact that they want to get the best player that they have, you know, in front of them in terms of players reaching their potential, you know, developing them as sort of human beings as, as well as players so that they can, you know, have a chance to make it in a professional game. 
I've seen players come and go and and some that I think have you know been really talented but various reasons they haven't made the cut and, and you know you can flip that and say that the players that might not have been the star of the, their age group have gone on to forge professional careers so as much as I want to say that you know everything will be solely focused on winning every game uh, which they will want to do um, and obviously bringing back all the trophies that they're competing for I think the long-term goal is that they want to just keep on producing players that go on into the professional game and and hopefully play for play for City in the first team. Absolutely. Thanks so much for talking to us, Derek. Uh, it's been great to catch up on the Academy. We'll hope to have you on in an episode in the future as well. Yeah, thanks, Tom. All the best. Well, that was fun. I certainly learned something and I hope you did too. Jed gave us a great bit of insight into Carl Taylor's return to the pitch. Will Ameson talked us through his thinking around the new Grecian huddle and how Gary Caldwell's Scottish accent commands the dressing room. Tom Main warned us about striker Shane Lavery, whilst Derek Baker gave us some insight as to how the academy is preparing for the season ahead. That's all from us for our first episode of Park Life, the official Exeter City podcast. Let us know what you want to hear more of via our social media channels, and don't forget to hit the follow button so you never miss an episode. Thanks for listening. Up the city. Into the penalty area. Joski needs a decent ball. Socks down to his ankle, picks out Stansfield, that's a hat-trick, and that's what dreams are made of!